Hey guys! Hey guys! Welcome back! Welcome back to another episode of the PTG Powercast. That's right! We have kind of a special little episode for you in our search ever since the Midwest Gaming Classic this year to kind of explore the, the retro pricing market. We've been looking for answers. Yes. Um, just what the difference was between the last uh, Midwest Gaming Classic that took place in November of 2021 versus what happened to the prices in um, April of 2022. And yes. we're just, we, we were searching, we questioned some, uh, some individuals, and we just so happened to catch the owner of Coliseum Games in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Uh, Coliseum Games is a video game and gaming uh, store where they have a uh, uh, just a, a variety of video games um, every system uh, that you can think of but they also have uh, trading card games uh, Pokemon magic they've got Warhammer um, they've got tabletop game equipment as well too and just standard board games as well that's right and he happens to be a longtime friend of ours so you know, as the owner of a business, we figured he'd be a good one to kind of interview with with some questions about the current climate as far as the, not even just video games, but like the collectible industry in general. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, he deals with magic and, like we said, Pokemon mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things. So yep. we figured uh, this would be, he'd be a fun one to talk to. Yeah, so we, definitely. So we managed to have an interview with him, Kevin yeah. Coliseum. Kevin Coliseum, that's right. That's what you're going to call him. Kevin that's Coliseum. Right. Kevin Coliseum of Coliseum so. Games, and we hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy. Whoopsies. Howdy. Well, there we go. Hello. Thought I accidentally hung up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how you doing this morning? Oh, not too bad. Yeah? Not too bad. Kids woke me up a little early, but, you know, what is what it is, so. Oh, that's right. That's I, I'm still stuck in, like, the early thousands when we're all, like, young. I forgot you had kids. <laughs> <laughs> But I guess, um, well, for starters, like, um, how long has, uh, or have you been, like, owner, and how long have you been working with, uh, at Coliseum Games? Yep, so I became, so the store opened in late 2011. Uh, I became a partial owner uh, summer of 2013, and then I became full 100% owner uh, January 1st, 2020. Oh wow! Oh wow! I didn't realize that it was that that recent that yeah. you became the full owner. Yep, wow. yep. I was co I owned it with Gerald uh, yep. until until twenty twenty. Yep. So. Yeah, I remember when you guys opened that store. Mm -hmm. That was that was such a cool thing because that was that was always a dream. Paul, like I I had back in the day in my own head. I'm like it'd be cool to own like a game store, like an arcade or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sure. cool that you guys opened that. I remember when when we heard you guys were doing that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I I didn't open it. Uh, I I didn't come in until about a year and a half later. So yeah, no, it was oh, yeah, okay. it was it was Gerald and I. Did Gerald, Gerald have a partner at the time? Uh, yeah, Josh Johnson. Oh okay. Um, mm. and then he he left about a year and a half in. So, gotcha. And then, I, I and then that's when you walked in. Yep. Yep. 
So, so when you first started, because I, I remember that, that it was just like Coliseum was just video games, and then um, you started getting into like tabletop stuff. You brought in Magic and all that other stuff. When did that start? Um, I, I don't think the store was ever just video games. Um, uh, they, they had board games and Magic: The Gathering, that kind of stuff. As far as I remember from the start. Oh, you know what? No, I, I do. I, I correct myself. That's right. Because uh, Gerald came from like, uh, I remember he used to play like Heroclix and stuff. So I know that he yeah. did. Yeah, he did stock like Heroclix yeah. and that tabletop yeah, stuff. Yeah, Heroclix but... and they had board games. And they, uh, I think they always had a small magic section and stuff like that. Um, so it was, it was diversified from the start. Maybe not yeah. as much as it is now. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, but yeah. Yeah, you guys have definitely diversified. So what... what uh... What percentage do you think is video games versus what's like the the board games and magic currently? Um, it kind of shifts kind of throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say probably just to kind of simplify it, we're probably about fifteen twenty percent video games. Yeah. Um, I'd say so. I, I would say probably about. 50% card games like Pokemon and Magic is, mm -hmm. is the biggest chunk. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of it's D&D, &D, Warhammer, um, mm, miniatures, that kind of stuff. is kind of sprinkled in with the rest of the 30% or so. You know what's incredible is that 15 to 20% is video games, and yet they have, like, such a great selection of video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm about to say, if, uh, for people well, listening to this, yeah. watch the uh, Kenosha Gaming Expo yes. video we did where we <laughs> took a trip to Coliseum and got some very good things. Yeah. Like, right now, right now is, 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 it's pretty fortunate. Uh, we don't necessarily always have um, the kind of level we do right now. Uh, we actually had a gentleman in February come sell us a very large collection, so we still have quite a bit of that left. And then uh, nice. the last couple of months, we've had some other nice, nice gems come in as well. But it's not always that consistently streaming in like that, so it uh, it, 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 mm. it kind of fluctuates. Mm -hmm. So then, I, I guess focusing on the on the video games portion of it, then so that uh, actually brings up a great point: is what sources do you have for bringing in the new product? Like, how do you get in? Is it is it people bringing in their collections? Is it buying collections online? Um, what what sources do you have for that? Yep. So um, almost entirely, it is just local people bringing in their collections, looking to sell them. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we do a bit of advertising, kind of certain certain places for that. Um, I do look, you know, when I have some some free time and I'm kind of caught up for stuff online. But, um, you know, kind of since since we're not so video game centric, that that doesn't come up a lot. Mm -hmm. but, um, gotcha. but yeah, we we mostly just try to try to help out the community and and focus there as opposed to finding online. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And just because it's a it's a common thing, and I wonder how how stores do it. Do you weed out, or how do you weed out common and like sports titles? Yep. So um, we actually, um, with with very few exceptions, there are a couple. But for for like sports titles, we just we, we just say we don't pay anything for them. Uh, mm, anything, nice. any like yearly sports titles, we just we just don't take. Oh, okay. Um, at all. So, like, like, like your average Madden, your average NCAA. Like, like there are like 
the NC was a 2014. Oh, the game worth yeah. like eighty dollars or something like that, right? Now, at some point, yeah. Like those like the, the the nicer ones will will take, but um, by and large, we just don't take um, yearly sports titles. We don't really take like games that require peripherals. Like we don't take Connect games or like DDR. Um, makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes yeah. That makes um, certain sense. ones we'll take, like we do take like the Donkey Kong, Congo, GameCube games, and stuff like that. Like kind of the more reputable, you, I guess, unique things games. we might take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. unique or mm-hmm. marketable. Like yeah, Donkey Kong. Everybody knows what Donkey Kong is. That kind of a thing. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So <clears throat> I was about to say, as far as like trading in the games and stuff that people do, it's like you're you're kind of like one of the very very few places if not the only one i can think of where like besides gamestop like where somebody could go to trade in their collection you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah 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 um so, i mean there, there's a few other areas in town like we have a couple pawn shops that take them and then i think cd warehouse even takes some stuff but mm-hmm. um, we definitely i think are the largest uh for that kind of a thing in town yeah i'm about to say that's about to be pretty fortunate that like you're basically the oh, only yeah. real place to go for that and it's i mean your the collection you guys have at the moment is pretty good like it, mm-hmm. it, there's some i'm guilty of buying many things there mm-hmm. right now <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah yeah, yeah i'm like I'm, I'm i'm definitely certain that that's that that's helped but um we don't really you know use that or think about that too much we just try to do what makes sense and, mm-hmm. and uh, try to buy at prices that make sense for everybody and yeah. that, uh, that that we can work with as well. So. That actually leads into uh, another question of mine is um, when you do acquire these collections or even like the rare games and stuff, Is uh, do you more commonly pay cash for the games or are they asking for cash or is it more of a store credit that uh, that you find yourself? Uh, or is I it... would say it's close to split. Um, oh, okay. maybe slightly more store credit is more common, hmm. but if it is, it's slightly, it might be like 60, 40 store credit. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, and I, I have to ask just because it's, uh, I, I feel like it wasn't a thing when Coliseum opened, but mm-hmm. has price charting affected your ability to acquire games or to get, I guess, better supplies? Um, or has think, it or has it improved so I, your your I ability? I think no. I think it's probably improved it. Um, because I, I think what it does is it is it creates. Um, now price chart. Let me get settled. Price charting isn't perfect for every example. Mm-hmm. Um, like the some of the things that like sell once every once a year or something like those prices are really kind of inconsistent yeah um but but i think as a general overview it it creates sort of a baseline that we can refer to to see what's going on in the market that we can point customers to like if someone comes in and you know some people you know might think you know hey this this Mario two, you know, is worth a hundred dollars. <laughs> and then it, it, it gives me a point. I'm like, Hey, well, let's, this is what price charting is. This is kind of how it accumulates its data. And, you know, right now it's like a $20 game and I can kind of point them to that and be like, okay, this makes sense. Um, mm. yeah, so that's it's, a good point. it's kind of created like a nice baseline for us to refer to as well as to point customers to, 
to try to get um, an even understanding of what's of what of what they've got and what we can do with it. So. Okay, that, then that yeah. makes perfect sense to be it honest. Does. Yeah, because one of the comments we had gotten on our Midwest Gaming Classic video was that one of the guys was talking to one of the vendors. And the vendors were saying, like, because obviously the whole reason we're doing this is to figure out where these insane prices are coming from that yeah. were at the Classic. And the vendor was saying they were paying upwards of, like, 70 to 80%, 80, 80%. of whatever the price charting value was. Right. Which, I mean, so I, 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 we don't own yeah. businesses, so maybe we don't, maybe that is right on the money. I really don't know. But... Mm -hmm. I mean, and feel free to, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but, like, if, if I were to bring in something that price charting says is, I don't know, a hundred bucks, like, what uh -huh. what would you typically give somebody for that? So, it can kind of depend. Um, so, what I'll say right off the bat is to contrast with, with somebody who's at the Midwest Gaming Classic, we don't go out to these conventions and, uh, you know, travel around and and set up booths and stuff like that yeah. so we as a store because we don't do that we kind of we have we're only in our community other than like if i want to put it on ebay which mm -hmm. then we're paying fees and risking mm -hmm. and risks and stuff yep. um so i do pay i would pay a little bit less than what the gentleman you spoke to with just because we don't have because all all i can sell to is our local market mm -hmm. um and I'm not going to the video gamers. I kind of need the video gamers to come to me. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so we do sell those things a little bit slowly. Um, as to answer your question about a, so for most games, like the like the common sub thirty forty dollars stuff, uh, typically we do about sixty percent store credit and forty percent cash hmm, okay. Um, okay. of price charting. But as as the value of that item creeps up, like fifty plus to a hundred and up, um, we do raise those percentages. Um, so for something that's a hundred dollars that I that is relatively easy to sell. Now it, it's not always easy to sell anything that's a hundred dollars necessarily, but yeah, it's true. Um, um, as long as it's something I'm confident I can do something with. I'd probably pay for cash in the fifty to fifty-five percent. Okay. Um, but like I said, that 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 does fluctuate very much depending on the game. No, um, so I, I wouldn't take that number as any sort of a baseline. No. But, yeah. Um, no, it was. But I've but I've but I've paid upwards of seventy percent for games as well that I that I you know really wanted to bring in. So oh, I can imagine. It was yeah. It was just something that that when when he said that, I I thought to myself like that is the stupidest model for buying something because then I I took the the example of the hundred dollar game. It's like okay, so you have a one hundred dollar game. You're giving somebody eighty dollars because you're giving them eighty percent of that, and then in order to do your your markup and to sell it, you have to then sell it above that one hundred dollar price. So then. Right you risk running into the fact that you're not going to sell it or that you're going to look like a villain because you're charging $150 for a game that's $100, but that's just to make up for what you spent on it instead of saying, okay, I'm going to give you $50 for this game. I can yeah. charge $80. I'm still making $30 profit, but then I still come out as the hero because I'm still under price charting. 
And it's like, right. I, and I just feel like, wow, if you're really like legitimately, you have a business and you're, you're paying 80%, that's just a bad business model that you're going to fail. Like, so, um, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, so, so here's the thing, especially with, with these vendors who are going, you know, especially are going I guess they're primarily getting their stock through these like conventions or booths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They like they, they typically are going to have other booths next to them. Yes. So if I'm saying I'm paying 55, 60% for a game, but the booth next to me says they're paying 70% for a game, I'm never going to get any inventory. Oh, that's, that's, true. that's um, true. So, so then I have to, you know, so it's, it's, you know, multiple vendors in the same spot is great if you're trying to if you're a, a regular person trying to sell your stuff because they're competing with each other within feet of each other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so then for the whoever does actually get those games now they have to try to turn a profit on this thing that they at least in terms of a dealer probably overpaid for mm-hmm. um and then obviously you guys have talked about you know convention you know booth fees and yes all these other fees and costs and especially with i mean heck even nowadays you got to take gas into account because now it's Mm -hmm. especially if you're driving two states over for a convention yeah you know now you're paying you know four hundred dollars just to get there and back so yeah yep, exactly uh, and hotels and yeah, lodging because yep, yep. one of the guys somebody we had spoken to before had said yeah and it was something i never thought of is yeah the vendors you know they have the hotel fees because they're if you they're know, coming they from out room, of state yep. you know mm-hmm. coming out of state and we really didn't think of that because i yep. as stupid as it sounds i almost thought like they would give them a discount of some sort to a like a local hotel somewhere around but i suppose you're still yeah then you're not yeah. only that but you're renting the booth and based on where the booth is and yeah so it's like we kind of didn't consider a couple of those mm-hmm. things so that was that was a little eye-opening mm-hmm. a little to see like yep. well and which is why we always expect the convention markup of like 10 to 20 dollars you know that makes mm-hmm. sense it makes sense yeah i suppose too like a lot of this as far as how much you pay goes like you said it's kind of based on like what the game is because like rule of rose is a good example that's Mm -hmm. a game that's highly desirable so Mm -hmm. paying 70 percent you you're probably going to sell five hundred dollars you can still make oh yeah six hundred seven hundred dollars on the game and still walk away with like a two hundred dollar profit so yeah you can definitely yeah especially at a convention or even in a store like that's that's a yeah for sure like the only thing with that is and, and actually uh andy was in yesterday and he he actually saw somebody buy one of my rule of roses but uh, i did that was awesome uh those 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 that big ticket is pretty difficult for me to move mm-hmm. uh just because again i'm not coming to the gamers i need the gamers to come to me yeah, yeah. um so uh those do th- those those are usually they usually take a little bit of a, of a bit of a time span to, to 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 get out into the hands of a customer so, oh sure yeah. sure yeah it's a big investment though oh, especially yeah. if you're trying to move a, a 700 hundred dollar game like that's yeah i can imagine that'll take some time i was i was happy to hear that you had uh ended up selling that burning rangers to somebody yeah yep yep that morning before you before you came in yeah that's awesome because wow. again that's another one it's such a desirable game mm-hmm. so like i i wow yeah what what is your biggest competitor as far as where people can bring their games in or what do you what do you find is like okay if you offer them something and they decide to walk away because they say well i could 
I could sell this for more on eBay. Like, what what's your biggest sure. competitor? Um, I, I would yeah, I would probably say exactly that. Um, yeah. uh, eBay, which again, I'm you know, I don't know the best way to describe that, but um, <laughs> it's yeah, no, no, like it's eBay, but like. People don't realize. I, I, I don't really view it as competition. I, no. I kind of, I've, I've kind of provided different service. Yeah. Because um, if somebody wants, I completely understand, especially for an expensive game, if if they're a collector and they want to get, you know, as much as they possibly can for their game so that they can, you know, spend on bills or get other games or whatever. Like that's, you know, I that's that's not really the service I'm providing. So that uh, I don't really even think about that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that they don't really realize too and, and that um, I, I often think about when they say like oh yeah because a long time ago I had placed an ad in the paper and this was actually before Coliseum was, was a thing so I don't feel like I was competing with you guys but um, <laughs> but I, I would offer them like whatever it was and they're like well this game goes for this much and I, I think I could probably just do better on eBay and, and so I would tell them like point blank and honestly like yeah you could and but here's the thing is all of the investment that you are doing in creating the auction in writing the description in taking the photos uploading it and then having to sell it you deal with the fees but then you also deal with if the person doesn't get the game or or in the condition that they expected it to be in even mm-hmm. if the description lists it to a t then ebay is very quick to take the side of the buyer versus the seller yeah. Yep, that's that's one thing I always point out is yeah. uh, it's especially if you're selling anything high end. Oh, very much so. It's very risky to be on eBay. Exactly. Um, that's actually why I stopped selling on eBay in the first place is because I mean there was a, I I sold an Xbox system with a lot of games and the guy told me like when he got the system he's like the system doesn't work and i'm like i tested the system with every single game i know it works and then he's like oh no the system the system works but the controller doesn't so i i want my money back and i'm like i'm sorry but that's no you can't do that so then he contacted ebay ebay ended up taking his side and pulling the money out of my account to give it back to him and the only reason i ended up winning that is because and and this is uh, it was unknown genius at my uh, to to <laughs> my surprise is the way that i packaged that box i was mm-hmm. able to ship out everything for like 15 dollars, and i did it in such a tetris way that i'm like he probably tried to put all that stuff back in the box and when it came to shipping he would have had to have paid like $40 shipping. And so he ended up not shipping it back. And so eBay then said, yep, he he failed to send it back. And therefore, we are, are uh, siding with the seller. And they gave the money back. And that was the last time that I sold on eBay. Because I'm like, wow, even when this guy is literally lying, telling me that something doesn't work, he just wants his, his money back, basically. And they're still taking his side, like eBay is not mm-hmm. friendly towards the sellers. Hmm. Yep, and that's and that's one of the great things about being a physical store is yeah. uh, I have TVs in the store. I can test on the spot. Absolutely. Um, the customer, you know, if the customer has an issue, they can bring it in. We can troubleshoot it. If there is a problem, I can get them their money back or get them something else. Um, there's, there's just, you know, it's easy to have that face-to-face communication um, and yeah. uh, be, able, be able to work it out without overhead and disputes and shipping and all that craziness we try to keep it simple yep yep absolutely 
So what do you see, like, are there any differences between when you started um, at Coliseum and now? Or are there any similarities that, that you've noticed? Um, in anything specific? No, just, just like, I, I mean, like, differences that you've seen, like how, uh, like, uh, I guess just kind of point blank i mean the the price of like video games and retro video games has just absolutely okay. exploded and so yes, how is yeah. like what what differences have you seen in since from the time you started to now and what similarities have you seen and i'm assuming too like even with like magic and pokemon and stuff i know pokemon cards for a long time or for a while especially with the pandemic mm -hmm. like those mm -hmm. prices just boom for those oh, things yeah that that was a whole that was a whole summer for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So like, definitely the the pandemic shifted a lot of things um, uh, in terms of the collectibles market. We're both, you know, in video games and Pokemon and even Magic. Um, and and then to answer your questions, going back to video games, um, yeah, obviously prices kind of across the board have definitely gone up over the past ten years. Um, the, the thing I've always, that's always kind of stuck out to me, um, as I've been doing this is like every five years or so, the, or e even less than, but like which consoles are the most popular mm -hmm. seem to keep evolving. Yeah. Um, cause I remember early when we first started, we couldn't get NES games to save our life. Uh, we yeah. had, you know, for a while, you know, there was one summer we had like five or 10 games, hmm. um, and we were like overflowing with like GameCube and you know N sixty four and stuff. And then a few years later, it was like NES was left behind, and then it was all about Super Nintendo, and then PlayStation one. And then right now, um, like you guys have mentioned on the channel, Sega Saturn, um, but even GameCube. Like I think we have three GameCube games in the store right now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> when, we, when we were when we were in, Andy's like, "Where's the GameCube section?" I'm like, "You're looking at it." It's like it was three or four games. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've got two or three like really common, you know, lower end titles, and then we have Cubivore. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's it's, it. And it's funny because yeah, we we have as every year that we've gone to the Midwest Gaming Classic, we've actually seen that like in yeah, in action where where uh, the the very first uh, Midwest Gaming Classics that we had gone to, it was just NES all over the place and then mm -hmm. and then one year i think it it switched to like sega genesis yeah, super, or nintendo. super nintendo um a, a couple years ago we noticed that there was just an abundance of ps2 games and so mm -hmm. yeah so then they were were going and then this past year we saw like sega saturn and sega dreamcast were like all over the place so it's yeah it's oh, it's yeah. so so strange to see the cycles and how they uh how they kind of kind of come and go well, I almost wonder if part of it's because NES has become so bloated in price that, like, gamers are moving on to other things to collect. So, yeah, obviously, so, what's the next thing to move on to? Super yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, so, so, so the, 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 at least the way I've kind of seen it is there's, there's like, a window where, like, the people who grew up with that system uh, have expendable income and are willing to kind of invest in that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then once five or ten years passed, you know that window has kind of closed. So like the average person isn't collecting, you know, NES as much, and it's just up to like the 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 hardcore collectors and the speculators and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so like the the rare stuff dries up and begin gets really expensive, but all the common stuff rehits the market because that 
particular era of gamer has kind of lost interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Af- after a certain while, so. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose there are going always going to be some games like the Little Samsons, the Panic Restaurants, that are probably right. never going to fall because those are always desirable. Yeah, well, and they're... yes, well, yeah, to to the collectors and speculators, and yeah, that kind of a thing. Yeah, it, but they're always going to be there. They're almost like not even video games anymore. They're it's like its own stock price at this yep, point. Yep, exactly. That God. people are selling and investing into. Yep, exactly. Because like, nobody's like, man. I miss Little Samson. I just want to play it. I'm going to go spend $1,000 <laughs> so I can play this, you know, six-hour game or whatever. However, you know, I don't remember exactly how long it is. It's but, about a three-hour um, game if you're if you're decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, so. it's, but, yeah, that's that's an expensive, uh, it, like, imagine going to, like, a casino and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to play some tabletop games for, like, three hours. And, oh, hey, look at that. I'm, I'm out a thousand dollars yeah well that's a good point it's, it's really lost all notion of being a video game at this point and, then, and that's the same way for magic cards and pokemon cards you know like you know i think it was last summer there was a black lotus that sold for like three hundred thousand oh dollars like God. that's no lo- that's no longer a magic card no it's, it's just, not that's just that's just an antique at this point yeah because who's like, gonna who's gonna buy a black lotus to put it into their deck? Yeah, like, man, come on! Yeah. <laughs> if if I had the money, I would, and I would show up and just be like, "Black lotus, baby," <laughs> and then I would promptly un- probably get mugged, un- unsleeved, <laughs> unsleeved. I'm just I'm not even gonna shuffle like a traditional. I'm just gonna roll them around the table. You know, the, the best thing is is you put that into a deck with like unhinged or unglued cards, and it's like yeah. you know, the person's yeah. like, you play a card, like rip up this card. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, just a, that's just a power move at that point. Yeah, exactly. You're just establishing dominance at that point. I would just if if my opponent did that, I'd be like, just win. You you yeah. got it. You got me. <laughs> you, but you got me. No, that's that's actually a really good point. I've never really thought about it in terms of that, where it's like the, there there comes a point where the video game fails to like it, it no longer identifies as a video game per se yeah. because it's just so expensive, and that's why we've even said and because I mean I'm not one to to like encourage like pirating and like emulation, emulation and stuff, but mm-hmm. games like Little Samson, Panic Restaurants, like you can't realistically buy those games anymore like you you have to play if you want to play them or try them out because they are fantastic games you have to emulate them you have to find like you have to buy the ever drives you have to get the 100 100 yeah so Mm -hmm. that's that's a very interesting point that i've never really thought of until you you said that (laughs) Mm -hmm. so what's the what's the most difficult aspect of working in the business that you're in um Ooh, difficult aspect. Nice, I, mean, I as, finally asked a hard the, question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as the owner of the business, it's probably just planning, um, especially especially the more that we, you know, diversify, it's, um, you know, this game, you know, this, this, this set comes out this week and this set comes out the next week and then coordinating events with all of that on top of advertising, um, you know, uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're growing, we've got, we're, we keep increasing our employee count. So it's, you know, it's just learning to stay on top of the staff and the store and, you know, communicating, you know, everything to the tour customers. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, cause I don't come from a business background, so I've been kind of learning as I go, um, over the past eight years. So I've, I've, I've 
got a decent handle on it, but you know, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still trying to figure everything out. So, um, I think that's, that's a big part of it. And then, you know, obviously the last two years with the pandemic has, has kind of, uh, upended some of the things I thought I knew before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to kind of take on a different approach, but, um, you know, I guess it's just adjusting and kind of making sure nothing's falling to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, as as the owner of the business, uh, uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind, anyway. And I about to say, I wanted to say, I'm glad that you guys survived the pandemic, considering how many businesses closed because of it. I was like, literally just yeah, going to say well, that is congratulations yeah. on weathering the storm because Oof. there was a lot of businesses that did not weather it, and I'm so glad and, that. And and I definitely you know seen that I've got family members who, who are in businesses that struggled, and I you know I yeah. definitely um, uh, feel very lucky and grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think part of it has to do with with like like we've been talking about the industry. Um, and like collectibles, you know, kind of skyrocketing during mm-hmm. the pandemic. So, so when we reopened from lockdown, I, we actually saw renewed interest because people were calling us for Pokemon twelve times a day, mm. looking for Pokemon cards, and you know, video games interest and in video games grew because people were stuck at home and you mm-hmm. know wanted something to do. So, yeah. so I was, I think I was just lucky to be in sort of a a sector of that that actually saw increased interest during the pandemic as opposed to like restaurants and some of these other yeah. uh, sectors who, who unfortunately just, there was nothing they could do and they just took a big hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, um, actually that, that brings up uh, a question is when the pandemic hit and businesses were forced to close, did you find some way to operate like through Facebook or, um, were you just basically just closed and kind of figuring out what the next steps were? Um, no, we, so we, um, we closed and then that actually finally got pushed me over the edge to, to, uh, open up an online, uh, sales point. So, oh. uh, before we didn't have, we didn't do any sales online at all. Now we have a website, um, coliseumgames.shop. Um, where you can see um, like board games, role playing games, card games. I don't have video games on there, just because I didn't want to deal with um, you know condition issues for like if I shipped out a video game and they didn't like the condition it was in. Of course, yeah. Um, and especially because it was so short notice, like, that was just I was like, okay, I'll just focus on the sealed stuff and uh, the kind of more ready to go categories of the store. Um, so that pushed me to do that. So I worked on that from home during the, the pandemic, getting that set up um, while continuing. You know, we use you set up a, a, a bigger storefront on TCG Player, which is a way you can, which is a uh, a channel where you can sell cards and and hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I definitely got reinvigorated me to push some more stuff online, which is I think a natural you know reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so that was me and my wife actually both worked on that quite a bit. Uh, she helped me out while, while I was home here in the basement um, for that couple of months. Yeah. So then when we reopened, we kind of had that two front, you know, as physical shopping yeah, kind of started yeah, to reopen. We had we had a couple of approaches now to manage, which, again, has kind of uh, helped with my evolution and growth as, as, a, as a business owner. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, I mean, because you had mentioned you, you set up events and stuff, and it's like, I suppose, do you do anything, like, kind of special to keep people's interest in... Because I would imagine most... Like, at some point, that fatigue comes in, like, with any game, like, card game or whatever, where it's just like, all right, it's another set coming out. Like, do you guys do anything special to kind of keep their their interest level up to keep them coming back or is it just kind of you just let it ebb and flow and see what yeah, happens so, yeah so um you know we do we do, do have like semi-special events every you know every time a new set comes out we have you know a pre-release event which is kind of a different way to play the game um most you know especially magic has has almost 10 different formats different ways to play the game oh yeah so we'll have different events to kind of encourage you know maybe build a new deck for a different type of format. Um, and then before the pandemic, they had like, like the professional level tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and local stores could run events to help people qualify and get on those pro tours. We, so we would hold those special, like almost regional type events before. Oh, cool. Um, and that had shut down for a while, but we, they actually are starting that back up and we have one in, I think it was August or September. I forget the exact date at the moment. So yeah. starting to roll back into that more of a regional kind of attract from other markets, uh, yeah. type of an event for, for magic. And yeah. then right now, Pokemon, we're just kind of keeping it casual. You know, we want to make sure, you know, yeah, everyone's comfortable, like, you know, everyone's safe. Um, Pokemon's putting a really big um emphasis on you know masking and hand washing and that kind of a thing they've got extra rules in place and we're we're trying to make sure that we're doing that and keeping everyone safe mm-hmm. um they're still not quite yet to where they're launching big events but um yeah well pokemon's so strange too because i feel like a lot of people don't even really know how to play pokemon as opposed to oh, like yeah. magic no, I, mm-hmm. it's just I, very I, funny I would... I would guess uh, these two-thirds of the people who buy from us regularly have no idea how to play the game. It's, it's purely <laughs> they, a collectible. Oh, they just collect it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. does, which, as somebody who does know how to play, and we, like, we played a lot, like, mm-hmm. as we got old, like, it's, it almost makes you mad, because it's like, damn it, I just wanted to buy a deck somewhere, <laughs> buy some cards, and you couldn't find <laughs> any anywhere, because it's, because yep. at one point, Paul and I were like, you know what, I'd love to kind of look into these newer sets, and maybe start putting <laughs> decks together, and then we're just like, nope, <laughs> can't find them, for one, and I was not well, willing to wait in is, line. Like, oh, we'll be, God. I'll, be, you know, I'll, be, I'll be talking to people, and they'll be like, yeah, I, we don't even know how to play, we've just been collecting, I'll be like, oh, would you like to learn? No, I no, no interest, <laughs> none. It's all they think, you know, all they care is about the collecting. And it's sex. Uh, which is fine, which is fine. I you know, no judgment there at all. But, uh, yeah, I suppose. It's such a fun uh, game, though. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like, I don't see why you wouldn't learn at least maybe you'll like it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Fun. No, and, and um, to be quite honest, between, like, Pokemon and Magic, like, Pokemon is just, it's almost like the magic for beginners. Like, it's it's so I simple. Know, to, yeah, it's, it's an amazing gateway, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's so simple to learn. So I, I don't know why somebody wouldn't just kind of take the time but hey mm-hmm. you know what to each their own so yeah, yeah that's sure. true yeah is is there anything else that you want to to throw out there uh just kind of remind people where uh, your store is and how to get to you and how to visit you yeah yeah we are on um uh we are in kenosha wisconsin on highway 50 which unfortunately at the moment is kind of torn to heck with construction oh, but construction uh, you, sucks. Can, you can still get there um <laughs> Um, it's 5719 75th Street in Kenosha. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook for Coliseum Games as well as ColiseumGames.shop to check out our um, 
sealed uh, items for Magic, Pokemon board games, role-playing games, Warhammer, all that kind of stuff. So Nice. Very all nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that construction sucks. Oh, no, no, God. There's so much. Oh, and <laughs> I do just want to point out uh, Coliseum is uh, C-O-L-O-S-S-E-U-M. So it's it's the name of the building of, like, the actual uh, structure in Rome, not the other spelling. There's two spellings for Coliseum. Yeah, not not Coliseum Entertainment <laughs> from like WWF or WWE. <laughs> yes. I keep I keep trying to spell it, uh, the Coliseum like Coliseum video, and it's not. Yeah, it's no, it's it's Coliseum yeah. as in yeah Rome <laughs> Coliseum. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I we love the store. We've been coming there for a long time. I've bought so much stuff there. Mm-hmm. I think I bought like all my sets of what was it Ascension? I want to say and Descent yeah. and all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff over the years. It's a great store. Anybody yep. in the Thank area, you. definitely go there. Give it a give it a look. You're you're bound to find something you love. Yep, and I, I bought my first item there in 2011 when they opened. I, I want to say it was like three weeks after they opened. It was a, uh, it was the the PS1, um, the, the uh, that like that display for for the like, PS1 uh, the, that goes on the mini on the, the mini the one. The screen. Yes, oh, the attachment yes. screen. That was actually yeah. my first purchase. <laughs> was was it was brand new and sealed and uh nice. and i've been a lifelong uh coliseum patron ever since oh absolutely well, thank, thank you guys so much i definitely appreciate the the love oh 100 oh, yeah, for sure for sure <laughs> so yeah thank so. you very much for coming on and talking with us yeah. we really no appreciate problem. it and it was it was good to get a, a better view of like somebody who actually deals in the realm of business in this industry mm-hmm. in general because like i said we mm-hmm. we have no idea so we talk out our ass half the time when, <laughs> when it comes to like our things we, we talk on the consumer side we might not know the struggles of the you of know the dealers of the and the dealers, sellers yeah so. yeah. So. yeah thank you very much i really appreciate yeah. it yeah no thanks, appreciate, appreciate it guys yeah for thanks. sure all right thank all you very right. much yep take care bye-bye thank you bye well there you guys go that was our it is. interview with Kevin Coliseum. Kevin Coliseum <laughs> of Coliseum Games. <laughs> That's right. As he said, go to his store. Yeah. We no, love it's, it. It's a great store. It's, uh, it, it completely dumbfounds me that he says that 15 to 20% of his stock is video games, and yet he's got such a great oh assortment that, I mean... Klonoa, Door to yeah. Phantom Isle, he had two rule of... Well, one rule of Rose now, but he had yeah. two rule overs of Burning Rangers. He's got so much... I mean, much... yeah, there's so much good stuff there. Oh, my God. Well, and I mean, just even finding, like, like a, a Shadows of the Damned that I had been looking for for a long oh, time, yeah. and I didn't see I didn't see a single copy at, at uh, the Midwest Gaming Classic, and yet he's got a copy. So, I mean, if that's 15 to 20%, Man, I'd, I'd love to see what 30% would look like. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was saying, he, when, cause when I stopped at his place yesterday, mm-hmm. I picked up a copy of Ill Bleed and Steambot Chronicles. But, like, some of the games he got from that, that person who traded him in, like Shining Force CD, Shining Wisdom, Shining the Holy Ark, like, some of these games are top frickin' tier. Like, mm-hmm. a sealed summon knight for the GBA. Like, yeah. these games are top shelf so it's like he's got a very good collection there yeah and he's like i said he's he's fortunate that like he was in the right industry when the pandemic hit because yep like card games are are one of those hard formats where it's like sure there's ways to play them like online but it's not the same as playing with the physical cards in front of somebody you know what i mean yeah but but also it's it's a nice thing because with trading card games they are a trading card at 
mm-hmm. at its base. And so, yes, you can enjoy playing them, but you can also just collect them, just to collect them. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's talk about being in the right place at the right time when something terrible happened. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that'll do it for this. Hope you yep. guys enjoyed this this little delve into the It'll other look, side of the yep. table here. So, yep, hopefully. Yeah. So, now you guys have a better understanding as, as like we do um, into what goes into owning a, your 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 own business and what you have to to deal with uh, from just the customers in general. Oh, yeah. I was saying we'll we'll still keep we'll keep digging. We're going to yep. we'll try to get a hold of some other shop owners to talk to and just kind of delve deeper into this this subject because this yeah. actually really fascinates me oh very much so because it's just yeah. it's such a, a strange landscape for collecting for collectibles mm-hmm. in general like he said yeah so it's, it's it's i think it's worth investigating a little bit definitely but that'll do it so for us you can always hit us up on facebook yep hit us up on twitter go to powertripgaming.tv takes you directly to the channel where you can watch us play through the nest collection as it was intended to be as it was not yes. necessarily just collected but to be played as well and you can also check us out on spotify on stitcher and on itunes, iTunes. Jesus wow Christ. i completely <laughs> wow when those are out of order bungled no when those are out of order holy cow yes on itunes stitcher and spotify to the ptg Powercast. that's right Yes. And if you don't feel like contacting us on social media, you can always shoot us an email, nespowertrip at gmail.com. We would love to talk with ya. Talk to ya. I was just about uh, to say, what was it? I was going Bungle. Combo breaker. Shit. Like, I had a thought, and then halfway I was going to redirect it, and I, like, I mentally tripped over my own left foot. That was horrible. Well, next time on Power Trip. That's right. This has been the Power Trip Gaming Powercast. We're going to trip some more holy shit we bungled the ending <laughs> we sure did God. now you're now listening you've listened with power, power. fuck dude <laughs> it really wasn't thinking about it wow that was tough